the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to the Open Goal Podcast, keeping the ball on the ground in association with our friends at William Hill. I'm sure you're still recovering from last week with an absolute belter. Hugh Keevans was on the programme, but Cy, Cy uh, Ferry's with us again. How are you, mate? pulled it out the bag as well. Oh, I can't wait You've pulled it out the bag. You've pulled, you, I said to Simon, Simon, we need to get somebody, we need a big, big. name, somebody that's <laughs> going to attract the audience, somebody that's had a, a sterling career, somebody that knows his way. Round the block, and there was only one. There was only one choice, I wonder. Uh, there was me, but he couldn't make it. Big Stevie Thompson else. couldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> He's tied to the BBC studios. No, I've got him. Kevin Kyle, one of the best interviews. My favourite, one of, one of my favourite, definitely. Definitely in your top fifty. Um, <laughs> he's here. So Bambas, didn't he? Ah, that's a great one. a couple of them after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's been a great day. I loved that one, Kevin. The uh, former Sunderland Hearts Rangers Scotland striker, Kevin Kyle. This year because he ticks a lot of boxes. The Rangers Hearts game after the weekend, Scotland game coming up on Thursday night away to Israel in the Nations League. So who better to, to run us through it all and give us some memories of his past uh, other than big uh, Kevin? So in the next fifty or so minutes, you're going to have a ball as always. I'm Matt Guidi, and as I say, joined by Simon Ferry and Kevin Kyle. Kevin, let's get to it. Rangers three, Hearts one. Hearts one is the the league leaders. A big test for them, but for Rangers. They couldn't afford to lose that game and go 11 points behind, so it was a big result for Stephen Gerrard and his players. Oh, it was massive, um, especially obviously what happened the week before at Livingston, mm-hmm. losing away to Livingston. That, I think that was probably Rangers fans would have, would have put that down as a given three points. But they went away during midweek, at home at midweek in the Euro- uh, Europa League and a good result, and then followed that form on against Hearts. And I think 3 1 maybe flattered them to a point because Hearts did have some good chances, mm-hmm. but to, to beat the league leaders 3 1 at home. It's what the fans needed, it's what the manager needed. And like you say, to stay, to, to keep the gap kind of within reaching distance of everybody, it was um, a good home performance. You said as well, I mean, you, you touched on an important point there when you mentioned in terms of how Hearts performed and once again 
Alan McGregor just showed his true true value with, with two outstanding saves. In the first oh, Griggs has been like a a great goalkeeper since the days. I remember being in Scotland on twenty ones. He was he was never the number one on, on under twenty ones. It was always I think it was soapy shooter. Um, I, I, no, I don't think he was all Harlan Main. He's older than me, Harlan Main. What are you saying? I am. He's like, no. Harlan Main. Uh, but, no, Griggsy had, uh, Griggsy's always been, Griggsy's been a, a fantastic goalkeeper over the years and, no saying define age, because goalkeepers get better with age mm-hmm. and Griggsy's just uh, fitting the bill where he's just, each season, each time he plays a, a game, there's something that people talk about, a save he made or whatever, so for Rangers to have him in goals, his experience and everything else, it's uh, it's an asset. Surely you used to score by him in training, Tony. I probably did, I. <laughs> but I, I can't remember too many of them, <laughs> to be honest. Probably. But you, think you, you know the mentality of and the mindset of, of clubs such as Hearts and Rangers, because you've been there, what were kind of going through the minds of the, of, of the people at the clubs just now in terms of Rangers winning that game and Hearts losing that game, a little setback for Hearts? I think Hearts genuinely will just see it as a, as a setback, because I think their start has probably surprised them. They've signed so many players, I don't know, I think it was like 15 or something, was yeah. it, as many as that? And um, But 15 players that nobody's really heard of, but when you see them play as a team... They're actually a good side, that big boy they've got up front. You know, he's, oh, mm, yeah. like he's physical. Mm-hmm. And I always, one of my reasons for coming to Scottish football was that I never ever thought that there was many big centre-halves in Scottish football. So I felt that even if I used my strength, my size, I would do all right. And that's still the case to this day. I don't think you could go in the centre-halves in Scotland and say, oh, he's a beast. He's, they're not Darren Moores or big, uh, what do you call that boy I was talking about in my interview? Uh, uh, Danny Shetu. Big Danny oh, Shetu. And there's no pints of Soul Bamba kicking about, you know what I mean? So it's uh, the big boy up front for Hearts is a big lad and he uses his strength well. I think he saw it in one of the chances he missed. He, he rolled the centre half and the halfway line and he managed to, to get clear. Right. So they've got assets and they're using their assets to the best of their ability. So I think from Sunday's result, Hearts will just look at it as a setback because they've had a great start and they'll now look at it and thinking. Craig Levine summed up he said like on another day if we could play that game again I think the result would be reversed and possibly that could possibly that could be the case whereas Rangers having lost to Livingston the week before winning in Europe and then winning against the league leaders that's only going to give them confidence and think right wait a minute if Hearts are the league leaders and they've already beaten Celtic although Rangers have lost to Celtic well it's giving Rangers players comers, and I think game by game, week in, week out, Rangers are slowly starting to look like a decent side. Mm. It's just taking time. Fun. Do you know what? I could not believe Rangers' first goal. thing I would associate Hearts would be good at defending set pieces. Why does he want to do that? Mm-hmm. What was it, 10 minutes in? 15 minutes in? What was early in that? Three minutes. Three minutes, and he wants his team to run up when they go to kick Play the ball. Yeah. But you Probably know, the best you know, team you, in the league at defending set pieces. I know, but you'll know for a training ground point of view. It works that on the set play works on a uh-huh. training ground and it works the first time you do it uh-huh. but it doesn't work every week no. and I'm pretty sure Stephen Gerrard and his backroom staff when they do their video analysis of that that's something they would have said to Hearts be aware of there'll be a key word in there we did it under Mick McCarthy and there was always a key word and it's one of these stupid words that doesn't coincide with the match you're like so somebody somewhere would have copped onto that and that would have been it they just cut their coming out they again goal bang and 
It's a mistake. It's a mistake on the the coaching. Oh, and you can put your money. But the big striker that played them on side. Oh, I did. You've probably done that a few. No, no, I was I was always fast at the park because I was that quick. (laughs) Just to remind any listeners that have just joined us, it's Kevin Kyle that's with us, not Kevin Bridges. (laughs) (laughs) He's on fire, isn't he? I know he phoned me last night. See if I could cover him tonight. I'm busy. Kevin always listens to the show, you know, you might, you might, you might just get a fan. I'm going in a few weeks, I wonder if he can maybe get me a VIP pass, maybe he might know because I played with Rangers, but I am a Celtic fan, quietly. (laughs) You've not mentioned it. (laughs) Sometimes. Depends who's asking. Depends who's asking. You're right there. So, for for Hearts, Si, when when you watch them, apart from the way they defended the set-piece at the opening goal, did you see positive signs that suggest that they can be there for the long run? Yeah, definitely. Like Kevin said, I mean, I think they created a lot of chances. If it wasn't for McGregor, you know, I think they could have been two one up. I think that Naismith had a good chance. Mm-hmm. The boy plays a lovely dummy, and Naismith McGregor saves it, and then the big man as well. Hearts not a good team. For the first time in years, I see a Hearts team that want to go forward and attack, which is brilliant, you know, because Hearts, as you said, they're a massive team in oh, Scotland, yeah, like and they probably are the team that have got the capabilities of challenging Celtic and Rangers. Um, as I said, the two wide boys I really like. Centre midfielders are good. Um, so as like the big man said, maybe a wee setback, but Hearts have definitely got the players to to put another wee run together. What do you mean is of uh, Morelos as a striker, Kevin? He's one of them that you go away for the match so frustrated because he offers so many good things and he does the completely opposite to those good things and you think, oh, what has he done? Chance missed, bad tackle, silly a silly thing off the ball. Whereas I think he's just one of these players that's needing finely tuned and I think under Gerard he'll get the best out of Morelos and he'll eventually turn him into a top striker because I think everything's there for him to be a top striker and it's just a case of getting the team to play around him and for him to cut out the stupid wee things that keep kind of... He's taking two steps forward sometimes yeah. and he's bringing a step back with yeah. something stupid. Yeah, the, the book of the against the United. That's it, puts him out of the So things like that and... Um, he has missed some horror chances, but he's there to miss them. Mm-hmm. That's okay as a striker. You should never worry about the chances you miss. You worry about when you don't get the chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, there's bags of potential there. It's just ironing out the, 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 the small details. He's, off, he's off the cuff, though, isn't he? So see, if you take that out of his game, would, yeah. would it take away from it? It probably would have. Uh-huh. It would have, aye. aye. There's a bit of rawness yeah. there. There's, there's flaws there. Uh-huh. You've got to manage, you've got to concentrate on the good points and try your bit. But do you think when you look at scoring goals in Europe now as, as well, you think he's got the potential very quickly if he keeps this going, and also Rangers players are attracting a bit of attention now as well to become a, a, a genuine ten million pound striker. I don't see why not. Well, if you look at Mister Barley, he came up here and scored how many goals, and all of a sudden he was a thirty million pound player. Eventually, Celtic sold him for twenty, which was unbelievable business in my eyes. But if that's if we if, if Celtic can sell a player for twenty million, why could Rangers not sell a player for ten million? Mm-hmm. So it's just a case of technically scored in Europe. Yeah, of course, it's, of course, it's, it's no, it's, it's that was all the, the old the old argument always been in Scottish football. Mm-hmm. I but they're doing it up there on the Mickey Mouse League or they're doing it whatever. But when they go in Europe, well, they're doing it at the same level as everybody else is doing it. So if they're doing that in Europe, if, if he's doing it in Europe, why not? And Tavernine as well. Oh. Simon Stephen Gerrard mentioned, you know, he's his skipper. They're already not back. About three and a half million quid for him during the, the window there. He, he's a player too that's attracting a bit of attention. Oh, he's a good player, Tavernier. See, when he's going forward, for me, he's the best right back in the league going forward. Um, I think what he's added to his game this year as well, he's caught the mistakes. I think there was a couple of set pieces he was at fault for a couple of weeks ago. 
maybe even longer ago than yeah, Motherwell, Motherwell game, game yeah, yeah but since then I mean last year it was a mistake again for you Tavenia but other than that the two mistakes way back then I, I didn't see him make mistakes anymore um, I think Gerard's got them much more organised at the back I um, think with, with Tavenia and this is no disrespect to some of the players in the past with Rangers Gerald's brought in better players mm. so he's playing with better players so that's going to make him a better player mm-hmm. and he's got to learn from his mistakes and he's got I, I just think Stephen Gerald, the experience that he's bringing to the club from a playing point of view can only help every individual player at Rangers because if you imagine Mark Warburton no experience as a footballer at that level the, the guys Cachino if no for me where this with Gerard, he feels like he's the guy you can go and talk to and say, Look, I'm struggling with this a wee bit in my game and he'll come up with a plan to help you better that game and I just think that they're all benefiting mm-hmm. from that. He's done what be- Rogers done when he first came in, he's made aye. the players that are there better, isn't he? Aye, of course he, he has. Had, he had to do that. Game intelligence it probably is like you've said because he's played at the top, but their game intelligence has, has yeah. really improved, uh, Yeah, I mean you do for example, you do see a difference in Tavernier and you do see a big difference in, in Morelos. Morelos. Yep. Uh-huh. T- and then you look at Guys like Ryan Kent and, and, and Warrell at the back. Goldson, you see, right, he's actually uh, in Barisic oh, at left, but he's, yeah. he's actually, he's got them all He's got them all going nicely uh, as a unit. They all know what they're doing yeah. on a match day, and that's... I that think makes before, a big difference. That makes a big difference, aye, because they're not all trying to do things they're not supposed to be doing. They all know exactly this is what we're doing today, this is how we play, and it, they're reaping the rewards. They've just got to sort their way for them out. I suppose to what he's got to guard against in, in January, you know, it's it's a two-way thing if, you, if you're a manager and a, a club at the boardroom is you're creating good players, you're creating a, a high market value for them. Your problem is then is resisting the temptation to sell halfway through a season uh-huh. if you're going to have <clears throat> stuffing around them in January I don't think they'll sell in January no way I think Gerard's a man there I think he's got them all where he wants them uh, board level wise um, maybe in the summer but I think Gerard thinks he's got a right good chance of winning the league this year mm-hmm. and I think he's got the power amongst the board to keep every uh, whoever he wants and you think as well if you're a player Kevin and I, and I know it's easy to say because if somebody's running offers to double or treble your wages to, to get a move however if you are a Morelos or a Tavernier and come January, Rangers are right in the mix. You, would, I would imagine, you'd like to think they'd be thinking, "I'll go in the summer, or, or I don't want to go. I don't want to go in January. I want to be here and be part of a title winning team." You would have jumped ship, I, big man, wouldn't you? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, joking aside, I think I think you're right. I think um, the temptation when money comes in, when you're young, it's like it is a it is a, a big distraction, but. I would like to believe that the manager is telling those players that just keep doing what you're doing and that money that's been offered to you now is good mm-hmm. but just continue on if you win this league with Rangers mm-hmm. or we win a cup or whatever that money might be more mm-hmm. in six months', in six months yeah. time and you've got to forget sometimes when you're young and naive in the footballing world you want every now, 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 now when you've just sometimes you sit back and look at the bigger picture what is six months in football? it's not actually six months it's only three months of playing and three months of holidays and then you're away so it's not really six months so it's just a case of keeping their feet on the ground and just making them realise that sometimes winning things with Rangers is far more important than money at this present moment in time because the money will come eventually because if Rangers are successful they might get new contracts that might give them more money anyway so it's a, it's a hard one but hopefully they're grounded enough to realise that winning things with Rangers is for me would be massive instead of money OK moving on to a couple of other clubs in the, the Premiership <coughs> side Celtic and Hibs both scored six uh, of the weekend both 
right into the, the mix as well again well Hibs what a performance that was although the Hamilton goalie stitched his hands on before again do you watch it Gary Woods yeah every goal was I thought every goal was quite savable there was two or three I thought he could but I, I did I felt for I him I felt for him as well yeah. but I mean Marlon's a good player isn't he yeah. gets the ball at his feet and he, he's got a lovely finish on him Hibs, Hibs are flying mm. Hibs are absolutely flying and no matter who Hibs plays especially at Easter Road they'll struggle there because the, the attack at such pace and they've got really good players um, be a cracking game where is it at Celtic Park yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, Celtic Park, yeah. But saying that, I, th- I expect Hibs to come here and play exactly as, as they would at Easter Road, so I think it makes for a great game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Hibs scored a couple of goals here. Do you it's th- just a case how many Celtic scored as well. Do you think, Kevin, that, that, that Neil Lennon's gone slightly under the radar? I know the season's only two, two months old, but you look at obviously Craig Levine's being all the, the, the plaudits, hearts are top of the table, Stephen Gerrard for obvious reasons coming at Rangers and Brendan Rodgers at Celtic, but Neil's just kind of quietly you know, he's not attracted any negativity if you know what I mean he's just let his football players do the talking aye which is probably a good thing for Neil Lennon yeah. because <clears throat> I think last year he was well renowned for doing some interviews after games pre-match pre- uh, things after games where he was very negative towards his players but now you can probably see why because he knows what they're capable of mm-hmm. and it was probably his frustrations as to why are we losing this to David when we're 1-0 yeah. up, up when he knows what his players are actually capable of whereas now they've come away had their pre-season they've started the season very very strong and he's just thinking right now my team's actually playing the way they're supposed to be playing and he probably firmly believes that he can trouble the old firm and Hearts and Aberdeen and I think the five teams they're all going to take points off each other I don't think one team's going to run away with yeah. 10, 15, 20 points because they're all good sides. They've all like Aberdeen. They're a good side. They have been for the last few lot of seasons. But Hibs and Hearts have strengthened well. And Neil Lennon is just letting his team do the talking. So he just need to get involved. He just needs to keep doing the things in the training ground. And they're turned up in producing like to score six goals against another SPL team. That's something you kind of expect from Celtic Rangers to do mm-hmm. as Celtic did on the Sunday. But for Hibs to do it against Hamilton, who Stuffy are a dogged, uh, scruffy, team, uh, hard to beat team, physical. That, that's a cracking performance and it sends it a message Hamilton went to Easter Road and won one ahead a couple of cracking goals themselves but is it even more credit due to Neil Lennon Si when you consider no, he, lost. he lost Dylan McGee mm-hmm. he lost John McGinn and he lost Scott Allen uh-huh. pretty much the heartbeat of his, his probably team. his three best players but I really like the Australian boy they've signed uh, I think with they three, uh, with three in the middle of the park it was a bit gung-ho and they were always vulnerable, I think, on the counter-attack. But now they're scoring goals and they're not conceding many. I think they beat St Mirren 1-0 the last game and never conceded again against Hamilton. Um, I think he's great in there. He just sits back and he lets Hindman and Malin go and play. Um, and every time the ball comes out, he's first to it. Experienced player, I think that's what they've needed. Um, and I think that as well is why Lenny's a bit more camera on the side. Because they look a lot more structured to me with, it, with him sitting in the middle of the pitch. So, great signing. Can Hibs come to Celtic Park and... And one, Kevin. Oh, definitely. Why not? Mm-hmm. Celtic obviously had a a fantastic result there at the weekend, winning six um, six nil away to St Johnson. But if you watch the game, St Johnson were poor. St Johnson were very, very poor. Um, so when teams have come at Celtic and attack, Celtic have struggled because defensively they're a bit iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Hibs come here and go gung ho, obviously they've got to be tight at the back themselves. But like uh, Sai says, it'll. it'll be a good opening open game where there could be a lot of goals. It'll probably end up nil nil. You'll get a sack. Aye, but it's, uh, there's no reason why. Hibs are getting no reason to come here and fear something. I don't think teams 
fear somebody can win like they used to do mm. used to come here and you would play in the match and you'd be optimistic for that first 10 minutes but see when it's the first goal and you're like oh shit that's it but I don't think that's the case anymore because Celtic have had a shaky start to the season so people are trying to jump on that and make it even more shakier but um, I, I think Hibs could come here and, and cause an upset Say si, when you look at Celtic's performance when Kevin just said there that, that St Johnson were poor but that said you've still got to give credit to Celtic going away from home scoring six goals and for James Forrest to get four <coughs> on the back of him getting a red card in, in, in midweek um, you know it, it's credit to him I think the wee St Johnson left bag had a bottle of vodka and a packet of paracetamol Sunday night didn't he because we joined James he absolutely roasted him but James Forrest can do it James was only a couple of years younger than me coming through and even when he was a young kid, I mean, he could roast fullbacks, man. I remember we went to America pre season. What did you say? James is a couple of years younger than you? And what, is, what age is he? So, what is James? Like 36, 37. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I made James Forrest. We went to America, right? For pre season, that one that I made in Arsenal through the pizza you and night. Me and me, Gowser. Uh, and me, James, he was on the trip. Just a Yankee, he was only about 17, maybe. And uh, we were playing Man United the next day. I was rooming with him. And I was like, you'll play them or Lenny's buzzing off you. John O'Shea he was up against, he was so nervous, eh? and he went out at 17 and he absolutely roasted John O'Shea, man. Absolutely roasted him. Um, and since then, he's just been flying. But as I say, you can date to any fullback, James. You see, so when he's on, he's getting. Just, like, let's just rewind <laughs> a second again. So he said, I made James Forrest. Uh, because I said, stop. I said, stop. No, he's not backed up yet. No, I said, stop. I said, you're the man. You're going to you're gonna rinse him with it. And he went out and done it. So there you go. It's a shame. After what Simon did from the James who sports person, doesn't even acknowledge him anymore. James, Here's up. I was going to call him a brass knight but he's not got a neck so <laughs> but no he was on fire and Selick and Rogic if you can get Rogic back yeah. to his best he makes a big difference mm-hmm. um, I think four goals he set up yeah. now after the World Cup I think he's been a bit poor mm-hmm. I think he's looked a bit lacklustre but I think he had a wee injury maybe had a wee break back to his best on Sunday so massive for Selick at um, a Tom Rogic that's on form Kevin do you think we did the you mentioned the Celtic defence they've had a bit of criticism this season again midweek in Europe they, they weren't great at all but they have picked up a number of clean sheets this season particularly domestically but you look there's been a lack of goals as well when you score six on Sunday does that suggest that, that now middle to front are starting to, to click again? I think every team goes through a patch where there's some part of the, the formation of the team that's not working right and Celtic thinks they've had their defensive moments and they've had lack of goals Sunday all came together and they've scored six. So now people are looking to see if they can. The next game's obviously the international breaks on, but the next time, can they score three or four past Hibs? Are they going to kick on? So it's just, is it a one off? It's that kind of moment where you think, right, where are Celtic right now? Because yeah. they've been, I want to say they were hammered during the week because they weren't defensively, even though they went down to 10 men, I think they still could have done better. The goals were easily avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good Celtic side going one nil up away in Europe, another any other time could have held onto that and come back and maybe even got a second. But for me, Sunday was a big wake up call six nil. Now it's can they kick on and go yeah. and maybe grab themselves, get themselves top of the league? Can they then push on and go clear? That's the big question I think. You're absolutely right because they didn't kick on. After the the beat Rangers won, I know it was only one nil. Aye, but they, they, they them it could day. have been five or six yeah. that day, but yeah. they didn't kick on and 
start running away from everybody. They mm. kind of came back to the pack because they drew with um, St Malm on the Friday night, was it? Lost, yeah, and then lost, no, lost, lost at Kilmarnock. Lost at Kilmarnock. So there's a bit of there's a bit of something in the Celtic team now that hasn't happened for the last two seasons. Mm. And it's just a case of the players maybe dealing with something new. Wait a minute, we are only quite just as invincible as we think we are. So who knows, but Sunday, fantastic performance, six goals, James Forrest, to get sent off during the week and then to score a four on the Sunday, that's a thank you, you know what I mean, to his manager and his teammates, and now it's up to them, can they go on and kick on and, and, and push forward? St Johnston, St Johnston, poor though, eh? Yeah, yeah. How was it, four games of one point they've picked up in four yeah, games? Disappointing. Uh-huh. One team that I, I didn't mention at the top of the show was remiss of me because they're flying, and, and I watched them again on, on Saturday up at Dundee, Ken is your old club. Kilmarnock and I probably I don't know if you're wondering but a lot of people said in the summer how did they better that how does Steve Clark kick on he's lost Malumbo he's brought in one or two players but they're just going at it again aren't well they? I think looking at Kilmarnock and their history even the time I was here has Kilmarnock ever started a season where they've been regularly in the top six because they've always been the bottom six team when it comes to the playoffs not the playoffs the what do you call it the, the splits the split. Kilmarnock's always in the bottom six guaranteed whereas last season they weren't and then this season People are asking that question: Can they do, or can they better what they did last season? But Steve Clark, he's had his moans and his groans about the refs and things like that. But his teams quietly just went away. They've, there's been no noise from like you don't hear about anybody in talking about Kilmarnock, but they are sitting there in the top six, comfortable, getting good results. To go a goal down behind Dundee, I know Dundee's bottom of the league; they've only got three points. But to go a goal down away from home to come back and win two-one, that's, that's a sign of character. Do you know what I mean? And Whatever Steve Clark's doing, it's working and the players are buying into it and there must be a great good air of comms around Kilmarnock now because they could they could throw themselves out in the mix and cause a few upsets. They've already beaten Celtic. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why they can't beat Rangers, Hibs, Hearts and, and, and they could finish in the top four, top five, you know what I mean? So You missed your pies. Eh? You missed the pies, didn't you? No. Oh, Brown, Brown. I miss I miss my chance. the bakers. I miss my wee chats with Michael Johnson. Did you the chairman. Chairman. <laughs> oh, we were so tight, honestly. Uh, you got Jim Jeffries. No, we used to talk tactics every night. That was great. But by the way, Kelly, I don't think Kelly played that well, and that's no. a sign of a good team. You yeah. Go away to Dens, no playing well, and you still pick up the three points. But I must say, Jordan Jones' dive was shocking. Right, let me get to that. Shocking. I was at the game, and Neil McCann, quite rightly, was 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 very very angry at the end of the game, and and the the referee Stephen McLean has been totally conned mm-hmm. but let me just ask you because it's a bugbear of mine and, and I think there's more should be done and I think this is where the PFA have got to stand up and be counted and actually be proactive in these kind of situations you're an ex-player Kevin you're a current player Simon why do you why do guys think it is acceptable <coughs> to basically cheat on a football pitch because what gets me is the PFA and all your players you all stand together and we're all one big unit whereas you'll, you'll cheat mm-hmm. you'll cheat a fellow pro Oh, that's the thing that annoys me the most the P- I'd love to see the PFA at the start of the season getting all the players you know what we're going to stamp it out we're going to be mm-hmm. as honest as we can we can be mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I hate to see it. there's livelihoods at stake yeah, and I just don't, why is it acceptable in football Stephen McLean needs to stop refereeing with an eye patch on because he was too, he was too yards for it yeah but let's let's take the referee out of it because the referee's been conned mm-hmm. and okay yeah probably should have spotted it however Let's stick to the fact the players, that yeah, okay. players, I just think why, that why? it's easy to stop this. Like it's no rocket science. What you do is you set a, a law out that if you are found to be 
diving and trying to manipulate the referee into giving like a penalty decision, you're banned for five, six games. Mm-hmm. Will players do it again? Missing five, six games of a season? No chance. I Absolutely no yeah. chance. Yeah. But what the PFA will not do is, they will not lead by example, they will wait till somebody else does something and they will what, follow. But, but they should, should, they? Uh, they, 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 should they should, they should go and stand up and they be the ones that make a decision yeah. for, for no well football, but for football in general yeah. and say, well in Scotland, see if you dive and get caught in Scotland, you get a five game ban uh-huh. and you get a fine or you get to go and, you go and do some charity work or something in the local community or do something that makes you think no, no, that players are going to think I don't want to go, but do I something mean, that makes you think that ban them. I'm not, go, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Like finding players, like the wage, the wage levels in Scottish football are so vast and varied. Like some players in the SPL might be earning a few hundred pounds a week, some might be earning a thousand pounds a week. So you find them accordingly to their wage, it'll soon hit home. Whereas, like we talk about the the, 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 the the big money down in England, somebody gets fined, it's just another drop in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Scottish football, it actually might mean something. But see, on that point, so let's say, and I'm, I'm not, I'm generalising now, this is not specific to Commander, but see, you're still playing, you've been a player. You must have been in a dressing room where a player's cheated or conned a ref or an opponent or whatever to help you get a victory. Now, I'm, I'm sure... You that particular yeah. manager teammate will quit and pat that guy in the back he's not going to get lacerated is he no, no he doesn't he's a hero three points though you're caring about it's, 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 sadly, it's, it's a, sadly it's a, it's a, it's a win business and you'll do everything and anything to try and get that win and three points and do you ever dive big man I don't think I could <laughs> I, I don't think it's, I probably have done high <laughs> but I bet it looks horrific when I dive <laughs> <laughs> like the Titanic <laughs> He's down high. You say? You know no, I've never dived. I've never been in the box to dive, but no, I've never dived. I couldn't. Like you say, cheating your fellow pros. Have you ever feigned injury or really grow the score with the old theatrics? No, I've never done that. Actually. No, no. no. Too hard, you've got two hard bastards sitting here, Matt. We're not in it. No, I, 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 <laughs> I reviewed a guest list. Honestly, <laughs> I tried. To, I did dive once. I remember it well. Yeah, it was we played Everton in the Premiership. And I, I had a true story. Davy Weir was marking me, and Gary Naismith was playing left back for Everton. So I managed to, I don't know what I did, but I made a good wee movement, and the ball played our top. So I was one on one with the goalie. I don't know who it was at the time, but I'm looking at the goalie and thinking, shit. <laughs> I just thought, oh no. And I panicked a wee bit, right? Because I was very, very rare. I was ever one on one with a goalie with my piece. <laughs> and then Gary Naismith came from nowhere, right? And I think he just nicked the ball, but I went down as if I'd been like chopped down and like snipered. And the ref like play on, I was like, ref, and all the crowd shouting, oh ref, it's a penalty, it's a penalty, but it never was a penalty. But I only did it because I tried to cover up my f- absolute <laughs> shit boldness and all actually <laughs> gone on and scored the goal. You know what I mean? So that was the only time I ever dived. Who would the goal be? Nigel Martin? No. It might have been Nigel Martin. It prob- or or um, Richard Wright, possibly. Oh, Richard Wright, boy fits. Possibly, aye, aye, but uh, I've actually got that photo of Gary Naismith. <laughs> He actually right, exactly. did tuck the ball at you. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get back onto this. Uh, another time that was a good wee debate there as well. So we've touched on the SPFL Premiership, how it's shaping up in the the top six and the league leaders, and we'll no doubt be keeping an eye on that as the weeks go on. Right, we've got about twenty minutes left, and what a twenty minutes we've got for you. We've got a big exclusive story coming up, and we've also got some great tales. Coming up with Kevin's time as a Scotland player with Bertie Vokes, etc, etc. Don't miss that, so stay with us. We're on the Open Goal podcast, keeping the ball on the ground in association with our friends at William Hill. I'm Matt Goody and we're joined by 
our own Simon Ferry and our special guest this morning is Kevin Kyle. Right, Aston Villa job is up for grabs, although what we're on just now, we're Tuesday morning, um, it's expected that Thierry Henry will be named as new manager with um, possibly John Terry as his number two, so that would rule out the Celtic manager. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I think t- um, Terry Henry was always a number one target and looks like he's going to get the job. A good appointment for Aston Villa, Kevin, because they are a genuine sleeping giant, aren't they? They are a sleeping giant, massive club, massive fan base, great history. Um, who is the right manager for Aston Villa at this moment in time? I think you could go through a number of names and they would all tick a box. So to say Thierry Henry and John Terry together as a two, name manager experience, I think that for me... That goes out the window because, like Steven Gerrard, like Frank Lampard, Derby and Rangers, both captains of the clubs for many, many years, that's leadership skills in its own. That's 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 <clears> two guys that go into their dressing rooms and have the absolute maximum respect to their teammates who will stand up and listen to them. So for John Terry and... and, and, and um, God, I forgot his name Andre. there. John Terry and Terry Henry to walk into the Aston Villa dressing room. Straight away, they're going to command respect. They were both captains of their own clubs, Arsenal and Chelsea, respectively. And they've got leadership skills. They've got the 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 know how to win. And um, Aston Villa's got some cracking players. Like if you look at some of the loan signs, they've got Yannick yeah. Bellassi and um, good, Abraham, yeah. Tommy Abraham, plus the boy Grealish. They've got good players. So it's just a case of getting those players a bit like the Rangers situation having some good players and bringing in a few get them together start playing as a team and having a focus whereas the now it's a case of the fans have been a wee bit uncertain with Steve Bruce who I think has been a great manager I know to yeah. get to the playoffs last year and really what is he four or five points off of playoffs before yeah. he got the sack it was exactly. nothing if the yeah. boy had scored the penalty they'd been in the playoffs yeah, right. so it's a fan driven thing that's happened but that's the way football is now um, but these two guys have got a great chance and what a job to start with in a managerial career. You know what I mean? I think John Terry should really get the boots on and help out Terry Henry be going in something half and showing up with defence a wee bit. But it's a great a great opportunity and I think Aston Villa might reap the rewards of this one. Terry, Terry Henry, Simon, if we're, if we're 99% certain he is going to be <coughs> the new manager at Villa, a bit of experience with um, Roberto Martinez yeah. at, at Belgium getting the World Cup semi-finals, etc., but when you look at now Aston Villa foreign owners and we see it so often down down the road now why do they, these clubs go for guys are, are they just seduced by the name Names by the hand. sexiness of it rather than maybe saying okay well let's look at a CV with proper <laughs> with proper substance like a Terry Venables <laughs> no I'm being serious no, why, 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 why do they why are they seduced? Why are they, why are they just seduced by names rather than CVs? I think Kevin's right. I think they've probably looked at Gerard and Lampard and, and seen how well they've done and thought, why not? Eh? Um, me personally, I'd say I didn't like Terry Henry talking about football. As I've said to you before on Sky Sports, he just I think he talks in riddles a bit like me on here. But um, I think Terry's a massive coup for him to get him as his assistant. I think he was there as a player, and I've seen when he left, all the young boys were putting up Instagram posts, Twitter, saying how much he helped them, how much he respected them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said on here before, people say it doesn't matter if you've played, but 100% it does. If you're a big name going into a dressing room, like Kevin says, you command you've respect got, straight away. You've got a team of Aston Villa players who, majority of them probably haven't experienced the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So to be able to talk to two guys, and Henri and Terry, about the Premier League, 
that's massive in itself because they've got that knowledge, that understanding, that life they've had in the Premier League for 20 odd years. That can only be relayed to these guys saying, look, this is what you could have. Mm-hmm. He's wanting to be stuck here in the Championship. Look at this club. He's getting 40 odd thousand fans every week. He's need to be up there playing with the big boys because Aston Villa, the stadium, I, I, I've played there a few times and yeah, it's, a it's a great stadium. The Fantastic pitch, it's the biggest program. pitch in the world. Yeah. You know, I, that's the one I used to think. I used to love playing on it because. You did hear that extra three or four yards to take your touch if you had a bad one, which was quite a few times, but <laughs> you could always get away with it at Villa Park because it was so big. Um, but I just think it's a, a, an unbelievable experience for the club to have. The, the name. Like you said, Ellen, you summed up quite well, like, the sexiness of the names. It's an attraction. It'll get people coming to the games, first and foremost. It'll get worldwide attraction. Yeah, It'll get real absolutely. press. Yeah. And it puts Aston Villa a wee bit on the map for a wee while. Mm-hmm. So if Aston Villa start climbing up that league and get to the top... Everybody in the chat starts talking about Aston Villa game, and that's probably what the business owners, the the chairman, the minds, that's what they're thinking. We need to now get people talking about Aston Villa because at the minute Aston Villa is just being talked about in a very very negative frame. Not yeah. only have they got good playing careers, sorry Matt, but think of the managers that the two of them have played. Have you put a list of all the managers that they two have played under? You're talking about twelve of the best managers in the world. Mourinho, Fenger, Guardiola, Guardiola, Sven Goran Eriksson. You know what I mean? If they've not learnt, if they've not learnt something off a uh, ten managers, what do you call the Israeli one? Avram Grant. Don't forget Avram. Oh, brilliant! Cherry on you. Who did he win the World Cup with? Who was the manager? Oh, the wee guy. Who was the France manager? Name? Is it not the strange wee guy? The grey hair and glasses, nah. Yeah, Dominic. No, no, it wasn't yeah. him. No. the Euros under him, didn't they? Oh no, it was the other guy with glasses. <laughs> Can't remember his name. Was it? Was it? Was it Jack? Uh, no. Was it? No, was it? Was it Jacques Santini? No, boy, ended up at the back. No, it wasn't. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> um, did you ever play against Terry or Henry? Funny, I did play against both, um, and probably my best ever game in a Sunderland jersey was against Chelsea and John Terry. We'd basically been relegated, so. It was a case Mick came in and had something like seven or eight games to go and he just said, right, I'm going to play these guys because they'll be the backbone of my team next year in the Championship. Mm. So we played Chelsea one day and I was fucking, I was on fire, man. Mm. John Terry had an absolute nightmare, man. I gave Stand him, for Bridget, oh, no, it stayed in my light. We were 1-0 up and then uh, the corner came in, I heeded it and I think Sean Thornton scored it at the back post and then... Uh, I was just having a right good game against him. I was fuck, I must have looked like a 30, 40 million pound player that day. <laughs> Zola was playing and then, so when they end up scoring, they won 2-1. And I remember that night, I think Claudio Ranieri said that a very, very tough game today. You just asked John Terry. He says, he's battered and bruised in there. He says, the number nine for Sunderland was very, very strong today. And I was like, my God, and then obviously next week I was pissed. Big but Mick. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, did Big Mick not come in the show? Big, 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 big Mick from the show says, well, we'll be alright next year, Kev. If you play like that. And I'm like, aye, so that was it. I don't know where he was. Max sits are terrible, but I'll keep doing them. Wait till my star Marvin does it. That's brilliant. No, John Terry, and then obviously Terry and me, we played Arsenal. I think it was like the last second last game of the season. And I remember getting the ball in the halfway line, and I remember no having the ball. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> where did that go? Somebody just stole my ball. It was on Ree, he was that fast. It was like, 
Superman coming by you taking the ball off you and away he went and he was like he's about six foot one, six foot two, uh, so he's no I small yeah. and he'd like he always wore those like shorts that uh-huh. pure skinny tights, something you'd probably wear. Like and the big long legs and he was like oh, he was just he was Stop brilliant. He was he, brilliant. Did he, he was he one of the best you played it? Aye, definitely. Who else oh, was? Was he well, in his Renault Clear at the time when I know and the Clear wasn't a Vava Vim. It was that was it was like that day took the ball off me, va va bye. <laughs> and uh, no, he was uh, he he was probably one of the best. Who else? What footballers? Uh, he played as. I think he was very good. Uh, Claudio Rainer. Claudio Rainer, right? He could keep he could keep he could keep a ball in a phone box and put six guys in they wouldn't get it. <laughs> really? He yeah. was so good it was unbelievable. At but he, he was no he was played with us at yeah. Sunderland but yeah. he always he was at Rangers but he was brilliant yeah, honestly. Right. I don't I think he was very underestimated, under regarded. But in the footballing world people knew he was a right good player. He was very, very good. Just the way he kept the ball and his body shape. If there was ever a player to watch as a midfielder and learn something from it was him, how he protect the ball, know where everybody was. He just seemed to get the ball and he didn't feel any pressure. He just thought, there's my pass there, or I've got one there, or I just turned back. He just knew where everybody was and he was very good. Brilliant. Okay, Brendan Rodgers was, was, was mentioned a little bit for, for the job, but doesn't look like that's going to be happening. It's going to be Terry, Terry on re. But Brendan Rodgers, is he going to be at Celtic? For the season, Kevin, or do you think there's possibly a, a signal or two out there that he, that he, that he might be looking? Might, might I think, think leaving the leaving the Celtic job, you, it, it would have to be for the, an unbelievable offer and prospect because Celtic job is a, a fantastic job itself. But I think Brendan Rodgers is here for is here until the right move comes along. When that is or what that is. I don't know, but Brendan Rodgers got nearly won the league with Liverpool, so he's probably in his mind thinking, if I can rejuvenate myself up here in Scotland and get Celtic do it, which he's done in two seasons consecutively, he's probably thinking like a team in the top six to ten in the English Premiership. So, where where where, where does he fit in there? Then do you think, like potentially, if it's back down to England, we know that Brendan's fluent in Spanish, and I believe he's learning Italian as well. So you know. He, he could have options abroad in the next year or two, but if it's if we're looking down the road, is he the guy that you could see being in the next two years a manager of Spurs or Arsenal, or is he more likely to be like a manager of a, a West needs, Ham or a Leicester I, City? I think he needs to. For me, don't doubt what he's done here, brilliant, and what he did at Liverpool and stuff. But he worked hard to get to Liverpool, mm-hmm. and then after Liverpool, it was a, a tough period, and then unfortunately for him, the Celtic job was available, and that was a for me a very good move because a chance to come here let's say and get himself going again put himself back on the the map again whereas now I think for him to get to where he probably wants to get to it's a case of maybe going to like a Newcastle or a West Ham somebody that floats around the middle of the table do well with them mm-hmm. and then a Spurs or somebody that then becomes an option because that's a case of I've went to Scotland I've proved myself again I've came down here and I've turned the fortunes round of a Newcastle or a West yeah. Ham or a I don't know, like a, an Everton or something like that. Uh-huh. What's next? And like you say, chances abroad as well. If he's learning different languages, I'm pretty sure that's something that he would maybe look to, to try in the future because there is some fantastic opportunities, fantastic opportunities abroad you must as well. Speak some different languages, do you? I do, aye. What language? Uh, Raglis. <laughs> Ever heard that? <laughs> What's that? It's a bit of Stranraga and English put together. Right, go for it. Oh no, we'll do that for another time. <laughs> Funny, he's, keep he's keeping that for his, when he's doing his warm up for Kevin Bridges. Aye. Right. 
Just finally, Sai, on yeah. just to, to, to nick back to, to, to Villa and uh, Steve Bruce, and we're talking about CV. You look at Steve Bruce, yeah. CV's a manager. It's outstanding what, what he's achieved, particularly getting clubs promoted into the, the, the English uh, Premier League. What about the supporter that threw a cabbage? I mean, I, I mean people laugh at that. Yeah. I think it's totally unacceptable. Yeah, absolute clowns. What goes through your head, eh? Yeah. And one, how do you get a cabbage in a football ground? <laughs> The guy that I'm usually being called a cabbage for the fans, but I've never had a cabbage thrown at us. But that's it, oh, don't it? A guy right. like Steve Bruce throwing a cabbage at him. What kind of life must that guy like? To Steve start? Bruce, I've met Steve Bruce on many occasions. He actually tried to sign me for Birmingham when I played with Sunderland. We dumped him at the FA Cup, and I think he tried to sign me no long after that. And uh, I, actually, my first ever club that I played with, he, made, he gave me my league debut for Huddersfield in the first division. I think it might have been against the Crazy Gang many, many, many years ago, 99. And um, a lovely person, a lovely guy, football mind, brilliant. And a really just nice, down to earth. So for somebody to throw a cabbage at him, that guy's a cabbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> because that's just a lack of respect. We, uh, we could turn up to yeah. somebody else's work and throw cabbages exactly. in. What, what would they do to us yeah. if we turned up at their work and started throwing things at them? Nice. There'd be a war on. Yeah. Whereas Steve Roos just took that on the... Well, whatever he took it on, but he took He's it on the chin. And, and, and that was it. You know what I mean? He just brushed under the carpet and accepted that that's just what happens in football. It's a vile industry sometimes. Uh-huh. It really is. Have you ever had any like that from supporters? What's the work kind of worst that you've, you've suffered at the hands of supporters? I got abused at Dundee. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I said uh, make it present tense for uh, you. I got, <laughs> I got abused at Dundee. But do you know who were the best supporters? Portsmouth, man. Aye. We used to get beat 3-0 at home. We were terrible. Think of the players that they've had. And then we'd always go to this pub on a Sunday to be full of Portsmouth fans. They'd just buy a drink all day, man. Great. Just thanks for playing. Because they were going through a hard times, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Just thanks for playing for my club. Buy a drink all day and then... The players would be end up rolling about with each other, fighting or not in front of them. They'll laugh, think it was hilarious. <laughs> but they, they were the best supporters ever, man. Portsmouth, fucking unbelievable. You must be amazing, though. It's a chance to say it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have loved it, haven't you? I'd Portsmouth. I'd go to Coventry. Oh, no, I was at Coventry. I had a bad time at Coventry. And I, I'd, 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 I genuinely was going through a tough time off the park and on the park. And I was trying my absolute best. But no matter what my best was, it just was never good enough. And I remember one time getting a corner and the ball went in. I went to get the ball and I, I suffered abuse by two fans that, honestly, a lesser man than me would have cried and walked off. You know what I mean? It was I it was harsh, then. but it was... And I just said to the two guys, look, the game finishes in 20 minutes' time. I will be waiting outside the main stand. If you want to come and speak to me then in a, in a, 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 a mature manner, manner yeah. I says, I'll be there. And the two of them are there too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> 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 and I just Gordon Stacking his assistant. Oh, a couple of heavies. <laughs> and I just, I just had a, a genuine, honest conversation at how I felt. Uh, and I just said, look, this is what's going on here. Do you think I'm going out there to try and play rubbish for you to shout at me? Don't be so bloody stupid. And then they ended up like that. We were a bit. I said, in the heat, I said, and, and we came to an agreement and, and agreed to disagree, that, and that was it. But it could easily went the other way, uh, which I was ready for. <laughs> I would love to hear their version <laughs> story. No, they never understood me. <laughs> what did he right, say? That takes us nicely onto the final part of the show. I could be a bit of fun, a bit of serious stuff as well, reflecting on his Scotland career um, with Kevin running the Open Goal podcast, keeping the ball on the ground. So it is an international week, Kevin, Scotland, massive game on Thursday night, away to Israel looking to build on. Um, the victory against Albania in the open game. How, how important is it for Alan McLeish and the players to, to go on? And certainly, 
not lose a game, going to pick up a point at least. I don't know how this Nations League works, but I'm pretty sure if Scotland win this game, it stands them in good stead. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, Aye. Yeah. So Aye. ultimately, that's the goal: is to get there, regardless of great. It'd be great if we get there and put on a show, a wonderful uh, performance, and everybody's raving about us. I think that's irrelevant. We've been out of the, the World Cups and European Championships for too long now. Mm-hmm. We need to do everything and anything we can to try and give ourselves the best opportunity of getting there. So Thursday night will be a case of let's get to Israel, get the result, get back and enjoy the friendly against Portugal. Um, it'll be a tough game, but there's no reason why we can't get there and get what we need. Um, we've got good enough players. Um, I'm not too sure how Israel are footing on the international standard, but I watched them against Northern Ireland, a friendly last month. Northern Ireland, and beat, Northern them, Ireland beat them great, eh? comfortably, mm. and I know it's only a friendly, and the, the, the ah, yeah. might have been experimenting a wee bit. But I'd tough to say I'd be disappointed if Scotland don't get Aye. at least a point. But I would, I, I and is a point just what they need? A point would be great, Kevin. Right. But ideally, a victory really puts them. But bottom line is, without going too much detail, they only play four competitive games: Albania and Israel, home and away. So there's 12 points up for right. grabs. If you top that group that from the four games come the middle of November, you're guaranteed a playoff place for Euro 2020. Right, so guaranteed. there we go. So, it's, uh, so just that's it. Paramount first tonight, we need to come away with something. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's what Alec McLeese is drumming into his players. Like, guys, because I think you need to be reminded of the fact that we haven't been to the World Cup since 1998 or any. European Championship whatever it is we need to be start going to these plays mm-hmm. we need to try and give ourselves this nearly men's never good enough and I think it's a case of because we all watched the World Cup in the summer and it's it was great it was yeah. fantastic and for us you know, to be there and know enjoying it with everybody else like I want to grow up one day and take my kids and when we're going on a road trip to France to watch Scotland the European Championships this year it would be fantastic but it just seems so far off at the yeah. moment and it's yeah you think you'll go same team? Uh, it might do, but just we'll touch on one guy who's, who's pulled out. It's uh-huh. caused a bit of a storm in the past 24 hours, although I think the Scotland camp and the players just kind of try to dampen a wee bit and not you know, let it get out of hand. Lee Griffiths has pulled out the squad. What do you make of it? I was surprised. Um, obviously, he was left out the last squad, uh, the last starting lineup. Naismith started. I don't think he would have started this game either. That's probably in his mind. Um, I think he's took a bit of stick over the last couple of weeks about his fitness. I think Big Sutton had a go at him for maybe looking a bit heavy, so... Maybe thinks going away for a week, two weeks, and no playing is no beneficial to him. You know he's in the Celtic team now. You'll want to stay in that Celtic team. Um, so he's probably thinking, why should I go away and maybe lose a bit of fitness, no playing any games when I can stay here at home with the fitness guys at Celtic and and do my work. But I think he should have went and played. Me personally, but um, Celtic pays wages and basically it's down to him and them. What do you think of the situation, Kevin? It's a hard one. Because I've been I've been in Lee Griffiths situation, but I've been in that situation where one minute you might have played for Scotland, next minute you're out in the four and you're not quite playing as well like your club football and things only as rosy as they once were. Like I'm pretty sure after this Scotland England game, Lee Griffiths was in cloud nine mm-hmm. and then after being dropped to Stevie Naismith for the last game, having chosen to go on the two friendlies at the end of the season to try and get more games and then it's kind of he's kind of been punished for not punished for that, but it's not helped him really because he's not got back in the Scotland team. So I don't know his circumstances or what's going on. But if Lee Griffiths is pulled out to come back to Parkhead and train harder, work harder, get his fitness levels right, then that might relay onto the park at Celtic. He might start scoring, find the goals again that we score regularly. If that's the case, then the next time he goes away with Scotland, it might be a no-brainer. Lee, you're playing, and that's just how it is. Whereas at this minute in time, there's a wee bit of 
there's no 100% confidence in Lee Griffiths being the number nine for Scotland mm-hmm. this week. So, should it, he go? Should he be? I think he should be mm-hmm. because we're playing against a team who Northern Ireland obviously hammered in a friendly. He's a, he's a guy that get you goals. Mm-hmm. He only needs half a chance. Sometimes when Lee Griffiths plays with Scotland, I feel sorry for him. Because he'll run about and he'll show all the endeavour of the world, but our performances don't allow him to do what he's good at. Mm-hmm. So a team like Israel might be the game where Scotland actually can create a right few chances and we need a goal scorer to put them I, away. I think he does lose fitness quite quick. When he's been injured, he comes back and he, he always looks like it takes him a while to get back to his best. So. It's, Lee Griffiths, uh-huh. the, it's Lee Griffiths, the model pro in terms of eating right, looking after his body. I don't know. But if he, if when you're saying he's losing fitness, that would indicate maybe he isn't. So maybe he just need to come and just get himself fit because he's, he's when Lee Griffiths is firing all cylinders. Lee Griffiths is brilliant. Good you know player, what I mean? Yeah. He's a right good player. He's worked so hard in his career to get to where he is and sustain where he is. He's not going to throw it away just by pulling out a one Scotland game. You know what I mean? To say that's me and my country were kind of done. He's obviously thought about it. He's probably spoke with Brendan Rodgers. And they've come to an agreement. And I'm pretty sure he's probably spoke with Alan McLeish as well. Yeah. I don't think it's been a, 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 a decision he's made lightly. Because playing for your country is the pinnacle of any sporting achievement in football, I think. It, it, no matter if it's the first time, the last time, or whatever many times in between. It's a proud and privileged position. But sometimes you've got to take those two things away and look at what's the best thing at that moment in time. And maybe... <coughs> Sorry, maybe for Lee Griffiths it is coming back to Celtic and just working on his fitness. Okay, quickly focusing the players who are there: Stephen A. Smith, Ollie McBurney, the magic Stephen A. Smith's going to get the the choice. Quickly, would you give let Stephen A. Smith lead the line again, Kevin? Oh, I definitely because yeah. he's got the experience and that's what you need. His experience. Um, he's, he played well in the last game, got a goal, so there's no reason why he can't go and do it again because Scotland will create a chance or two. Mm-hmm. So. I think he's per- for the lone striker. I think he's great. You know, he works really hard. As Kevin says, experience. When you see him playing for Scotland, especially now that they're a younger team, you can hear him helping youngsters yeah. and telling them. And yeah, he's vocal. He's very vocal. And he, sometimes he does. He doesn't do unnecessarily running. Sometimes uh-huh. I see Lee Griffiths up front of his own, and he's he's trying to look busy, mm-hmm. but he's actually hindering himself because uh-huh. when he gets an opportunity, yeah. he's too tired. Uh-huh. Whereas Naismith, for me, when he plays the lone striker, he's far better at it because he knows. There's no real point in me chasing that. Uh-huh. It's unnecessary running, I would call it. Uh-huh. Whereas I think Naismith's got a wee bit more more experience. Uh, more experience in that department. So when a chance does come, Naismith is ready. Whereas Lee Griffiths has chased every left back uh-huh. to centre half to right back, and then time the ball comes, he maybe gives it away because he's knackered. Yeah, we've all done it. It's just it's just enthusiasm, but it's it's picking your moments to be enthusiastic. By the way, there's a few shouts for Dobie on Twitter. Yeah. After an interview, how I get Dobie in the Scotland squad. Right. He's on fire, isn't he? What's he scored? 24. Right. 24 Top goals. scorer on Europe. In Europe. That's taken that. Well, I think Rory McAllister would have something to say about it. That guy's getting nowhere near it. And Lorne Shankland it by that, that's a shout every Saturday. Shankland, McAllister, and, and Dobie scored. Right, quickly. Score prediction Thursday night, Israel v Scotland, Sai. 1 1. 1 1? Yes. Okay, Kevin. 2 0 Scotland. 2 0 Scotland. I'll go with that as well. 2 0 Scotland. Right. A wee bit of seriousness, a wee bit of fun. Looking back on your own Scotland career, Kevin, how much did you enjoy it? Because clearly we're, we're ups and downs. Bertie gave you your, your start. Aye, Bertie gave us the start. I remember waking up on a Saturday morning, hung over, and Richard for the SFA phoned me and says, that's you in the Scotland score. And I was like, all right, okay. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, obviously, it was the uh, end of the season. 
uh, and uh, we went for that kind of trial game at Tan- where was it in Partick Thistle remember Scotland played Northern Ireland they got all the players ago yeah, yeah. and it was like a case that the squad was kind of picked from that and uh, I played quite well and I thought and I scored and I thought I will get picked for Scotland but see when that phone call arrived I was like Gee, I was like mum she's been picked for Scotland she's like <laughs> Oh well done, son. <laughs> but I was pure buzzing, like that was like it was like I don't think it ever really hit home. And then you go away and you do your bits, and obviously Bertie, Bertie for me, he wasn't everybody's cup of tea. But the way I looked at Bertie Vokes was, this guy's a World Cup winner, yeah. and he won the European Championships with Germany as a manager. So this guy, for me, knows what he's talking about. He's just his meth and his madness was a bit was a bit mad. But ultimately, great experience. He's met some unbelievable guys. Met some. I'll be honest, met some guys that didn't really want to play for Scotland. So More sure. so like English guys who, oh, I've got a Scottish granny, I'll get a cap with Scotland and I'll become an international footballer. So when I sign the next contract, I'll get me our money. The hat was in it. The hat was never in it. And that that, that totally cheesed me who, out. Who, 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 oh, who? I couldn't they possibly say names? <laughs> couldn't they possibly? I didn't want to. Initials. Initials, <laughs> no, no. Funny but, initials. But, but, I mean, if, but, if, but if you're getting that, though, that, that's a shame for Bert and oh, aye, for our nation, isn't it? If you get guys aye, here that generally. At that time. They should barely know have sussed that out and, and, and get rid of it. What did Bert know? He was trying to get as many what he thought was the best available Scottish mm-hmm. players to play for the country because we were struggling at the time. So he's obviously got a scout network that's gone through everybody in England. Who's their mum? Who's their dad? Who's their yeah. granny? Who's their grandpa? Are they Scottish? Where were they born? And that's what happened. And I just felt that we stick away and think, like, the Fear Islands we drew 2 to I, I was absolutely, like, devastated, even though I ended up in the nightclub in Chanel four or five, six hours later. That was all naivety and immaturity. I, I was absolutely mm-hmm. mortified and yeah. devastated for months and because nobody stopped talking about it. I was getting ridiculed. Aye. Oh, we did. And at heart, whereas yeah. to some people, I don't think it did because. I grew up Scotland fan wanted to play for Scotland it meant everyone to play for Scotland whereas I don't think some did and I own, my only regrets with Scotland was that I wish I had more experience as a club footballer mm-hmm. when I got my caps because when I actually did start playing uh, regularly weekend week I got capped under Bertie got capped under George Burley and then I got picked for Craig Levine but I never got on that was, that's probably my lowest point for Scotland with the Craig Levine because they played the Faroe Islands and it picked an 18-man squad or something, 20-man squad, and I was one of the originals. There was about 12 call-offs, and all these players come in, and they all get a game and I never. And I f- that, f- that, that fucking pissed me off big mm-hmm. time. I'm still annoyed with that to this day. And I thought, I've come all the way up here, and, that, 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 and that, that's how I felt. And that's probably how Lee Griffiths feels after his last... The Albania game. The Albania mm-hmm. game. That's how I felt. And I didn't feel like I had a right to play, because I knew at the time the guys that were going to play ahead of me what does he ever know playing ahead of me? But I thought, at least I might come on as a sub. But when somebody who wasn't even in the original squad gets called up and he goes on before you, you're like, what the fuck's going on here? But that was my only gripe. Can you, pull, can you pull international managers up when you're not playing? Oh, I felt like pulling Craig Levine aside and getting him a chokehold, but he probably <laughs> he probably would have... Uh, pro- I've seen him batter Craig Hogg. Chris Hogg, so I'm... Graham Hogg. so I'm not going near him after that. <laughs> what about uh, the, the, the Pharaohs game? Because you see, it was a, it was a low point oh, for the whole, oh, the whole nation. I, I, I remember it, but take us into the dressing at half-time because, I mean... We, we, we walked into the dressing room beforehand and it was just like a wee tiny room a dog hut. and dog yeah. it was a it was a like a, a junior grand hut porter cabin and we walked in all the strips and up all the gears there and I'm thinking oh here we go man the, in the caps because it was a proper qualifier pinstripe, pinstripe feeler and then here's this picture of Portugal 
like uh, I think it was Lisbon. And it's like this is where we're going. <laughs> And then after obviously half 45 minutes, that poster was soon ripped down. I think Barry, I actually think Barry or Paul Lambert, one of them actually pulled it down. Barry Ferguson. One of them did. Mm-hmm. And they two tore into his all. Yeah. And it was the best thing they two guys did because they, they were be so experienced and so, so no, especially Paul Lambert. Barry Barry was very angry, but Barry was so, Barry was very passionate for Scotland. He, I thought he, his persona at the time and what have you, people I thought, but he was very. And Barry scored, Paul Lambert scored, we got a 2-2, we probably could have snuck it at one point, had a couple of half chances, but just being in that environment for the first time and confidence and a game that meant something, the friendlies were okay because yeah. have you, but that, that really hit home and that was a big wake up call, that was a case of right, get back to your club and get your head down and work so harder. To tell you, you mentioned earlier in the show, it's been 20 years since Scotland have been at a tournament, we're just going to finish off on this, you've been part of a couple of campaigns with you guys having made it how disappointing is that as a as a guy who is patriotic and can be part of something special but you don't go over the line I think I think I think if any Scottish footballing person that plays the game ever have an, an aspiration to play for your country that aspiration should always be to get Scotland to a qualifier and get past that first group because nobody's ever done that mm-hmm. and they keep moaning about all these poor Scotland sides we've had I can't wait for that one Scotland side that gets there and goes past it and says, "Well, wait a minute, we are better than what you were." Mm-hmm. And I always felt that I would, we could, we could be that, we could be that. That's who we could be because we've had some legends of the game, like Graham Souness, Kenny Leglish, Gordon Strach, and all these guys that he played, and they've been to World Cups and what have you, and done well. And I thought, imagine getting to a World Cup and getting through that group stage and saying, "I bet Graham Souness and them didn't they do that." Uh-huh. That would be amazing, but we will get there one day. It's just when, and unfortunately, we don't know. But it would be um, it would be massive if we could because the, imagine five million Scottish people just taking into the roads to head towards wherever we're going. And because I remember as a seventeen-year-old when we were at uh, thing would be ninety-eight, France ninety-eight, France ninety-eight, and I remember because Colin Calderwood was from Stranraer. That's right. He was playing, and we were on this pub in Stranraer, and I couldn't. Well, I wasn't allowed to drink or that, and sure. shouting away. Yeah. And no, I wasn't. I was on the Blue Wickets. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Green Wickets, can't remember. But, uh, orange Wickets, one of the Wickets, and uh, just well, just watching away, and you're thinking, look, like the, the support, everybody dressed up in their kilts and the flags, and the, it was just a proper party atmosphere. And well, obviously, we go there hoping we can do something, but that's missing. It's been missing for a long, long time. And I think now the modern game, the way it is, and then people who watched the World Cup there in the summer who've never watched football before and loved it, and we're not there. Well, let's hope that we can get back to a major tournament and a victory on Thursday night against Israel for Scotland certainly gives us a chance to finish top of the Nations League group and secure a playoff place for Euro 2020 my thanks to Simon Ferry Simon enjoyed it oh brilliant love listening to the big man 59 minutes how good has it been brilliant eh 59 minutes so is Kevin Bridges anyway Aye. thanks very much for joining us we'll speak to you soon enjoy the rest of your week and we wish Alan McLeish and the players all the best on Thursday night cheers Hi, have you heard Poshnoshgal's brand new In Conversation series podcast? Somehow, she's managed to get all the best Michelin-starred chefs in the UK to tell her all their secrets. If you're passionate about the restaurant industry or just up for a bit of culinary gossip, find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you generally listen. Remember, it's In Conversation with Poshnoshgal by Shalina Tobin.